Hello. John Michael Talbot. Is this he? It is he. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 300th episode of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty. And we are so blessed and delighted for this very special 300th episode with a very special and delightful guest. So folks, I don't know how moved you are, but I'm extraordinarily moved as we heard that intro song and I moved into it. We're called to be the light of the world. The chorus from the song, The Mystery, was from one of my absolutely favorite albums ever, The Painter, which actually came out 41 years ago, 1980. The artist was only 26 years old. If you listened to our program last week, part one of this, you would have heard the powerful testimony of our brother in Christ, John Michael Talbot, who is a prolific uh, musician and author, but what I like most about him is this, and you've heard us on this radio program, the great challenge to all of us, we can profess it, we can know it, but the great chasm is from professing and knowing it to actually living it. I've been blessed by this brother for as long as I've known him, half a century, and uh, he doesn't know me, but he will tonight. We get this interview going, and we're so glad that he's with us. But this key theme tonight, and we're going to ask him about this, to minister to us, to speak to us, to take the gloves off, and speak to languishing hearts, hearts of those who know Christ, hearts of those who do not know Jesus. In this day and age, God is speaking. He's speaking to our hearts. He wants us to know that we are made for him, for intimacy with him. And uh, if you, again, if you heard John Michael's testimony last week, you'll be very moved at how he moved in John Michael's life. Before we welcome John Michael and get into this, I'm going to have Stephanie here just give a little bit of the historical backdrop if you didn't hear last week's episode. And I do encourage you to go to IgniteRadioLive.com and hear that. So pardon me for reading this, but I want to make sure to get it all. Um, for any of you who haven't been attuned to Christian music or books for the past uh, half century. <laughs> John Michael Talbot is a multi-platinum selling Grammy and Dove award-winning contemporary Catholic Christian music pioneer. He recorded his 56th album, Songs from Solitude, during the COVID-19 quarantine. John Michael is a best-selling author. His 33rd book, Exploring the Gifts of the Spirit, Discovering the Power God Has for You, was published in May of 2020. John Michael lives and leads the monastic life which overflows into his very active ministry from Little Portion Hermitage in Arkansas and St. Clair Monastery in Texas, where he is the founder and general minister of the Catholic-based community, the Brothers and Sisters of Charity. And on a very personal <laughs> note, John Michael, I'm just going to, this is my special intro <laughs> for you and saying this with great gratitude, five of our six children actually came into the world hearing your songs being played in the hospital room. So thank you for that. Thank you for laboring with me and for... Uh, <laughs> being the voice that our children heard, that voice of grace, that voice of God's presence, mm -hmm. um, as the hey, first Steph. sounds that they heard. Wait a minute, Steph. 
Steph, hold on. What happened to the sixth one? Well, <laughs> he came He came really quickly, <laughs> and it was a week before Christmas, and we were still listening to Michael W. Smith's uh, Christmas something. Oh, well. And what's it. ironic about that is um, he is our musician's son right now, who's uh, uh, actually has an album and is recording um, Catholic Christian music also. So he's he's making up for what was lacking in the hospital room by <laughs> oh, by no, no. Uh, going going that way now. Smitty is a good guy. Uh, <clears throat> he was with me when I let's see in Denver when I played for World Youth Day mm. with the Pope and wow we were we were together and I remember Viola and Smitty jumping the fence. To go out and listen to my set, oh, that's couldn't great. get back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know, that is awesome how we were connected even back then, not knowing it. I was working very closely with Paul Lauer, who actually organized the Contemporary Christian Stages there, and then went on yeah. to work with him. We managed marketing for Disney's Narnia, Superman Returns, yada, yada, yada. So that's anyways... Great. John Michael, so blessed to have you. And as I said to our audience, and I do encourage them to listen to your music, you have the heart of the Father. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say when I went to Medjugorje, uh, Guadalupe, etc., and I wanted to retain a sense of connectedness to the heart of the Father in this world, that sacramental sense. Um, and music does that, right? It's the language of the soul, Socrates says. You know, like the quiet side, your psalms, and, and, mm-hmm. and I was in seminary, so the love of the divine office and your connectivity to that musically was it's just a current that drew me into the heart of the Father in that way. So we're going to be throwing accolades at you just as we move. But of course, I'm going to just, set, as I set the stage earlier, we're a people uh, who I think are suffering from amnesia. Following this last year in particular, we've had the scandals, we've had the political tumult, we've had COVID, we've got a lot of disconnect contrasted by per, by presence. We've got this distance, right? Speak to us right now. You know, what has God put in your heart to the people of this day? What is God saying to us right now? Well, I think right now uh, we've gone through a major shift in our culture. In most of my ministry life, we've ministered from a mainstream of the culture, where there's a Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. moral base to the culture. Now, a lot of people don't live it, they're not necessarily true to it, but it's there. And there has been a corner going around, uh, actually we were in around it quite a while ago, but we were living under the impression that we were still Judeo-Christian. We are no longer that. We are now secular humanists, mm-hmm. and and actually a godless secular humanism. Mm-hmm. That is now the base of the culture. So now I think the challenge for Christians is to learn how to minister from the margins. Mm. So we're no longer ministering from the mainstream. We're ministering from the margins. And it's a whole different ballgame. So, for instance, uh, we talked about the light of the world at the beginning of of the program. And the day you're interviewing me, the gospel is indeed, we are called. Totally unplanned, except the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what does that mean to be a light of the world? Uh, I think for us, more than ever, what it means is that we, that we experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mildness, generosity, chastity, faith. Against such there is no law, says St. Paul. Those who, have, those who have crucified their flesh and its passions and desires live by the Spirit. Let us now follow the Spirit's lead. So that means learning how to be those 
aspects of life in the Spirit, which is really just the Beatitudes and Mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Mount in its two forms in Scripture. Probably Jesus taught that many times Mm -hmm. if you look at the Greek. So uh, taking that dimension of our Christian life and making that present in our day in and day out inner reactions or interactions with people in our culture who are not coming from a Judeo-Christian base at all. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming from a completely godless, secularist base. So how do you minister to those folks? Mm. Uh, what do you do? I've, I've been going to physical therapy. <clears throat> I have a terrible bad back that mm. I thought I was going to get rid of, and it didn't go away. So the community says, you're going, so I'm going. <laughs> Good job, community. Want. But, I, but I'm going. And, you know, now there are people in that physical therapy program that are Christians. Matter of fact, the owner is Christian. So there's a Baptist, there's an Assemblies of God, and then there's some workers there that aren't of any faith whatsoever. So how do I minister to them? Do I quote scripture? Do I badger them? Mm. Uh, to my non-Catholic buddies over there, do I badger them about the church? No. What I have to do is I have to be the painting. Do you use the painter? Huh? Mm-hmm. I have to be a painting that has credibility. What does my life look like? Mm-hmm. Am I loving? Am I kind? Am I joyful? Am I peaceful? Am I forgiving? Uh, am I truthful? Uh, am I gentle? You know, those are the questions that come up. So, so the, the integrity of the faith we profess has to be lived out in the little things of life. You know, I'm no longer traveling the way I used to because of COVID. Um, and I don't know whether I'm going to go back out. I just haven't gotten an answer mm-hmm. totally odd yet. But, you know, I used to tell people, it's easy for me to get up here on this platform and to sing mm-hmm. and to do a teaching based on, you know, 40 plus years of study and experience. That's easy. The hard part is going to the Love's truck stop mm. where, you know, something isn't going well or the pumps don't work, or going to check out at a, at a Walmart or a Target or Costco, and, and there's a guy acting like a jerk, you know, one, one guy up. And, and now I'm the next person that's going to talk to this, per, uh, you know, lady in the checkout, if, if there still is a person there. Right. <laughs> And and that's where my that's where the authenticity of my Christian faith is tested, and that becomes, I think, the places where we minister uh, the most powerfully. Uh, to you know, again, to get up on a in a church or in a, on a platform, which is predominantly Christians, it's great. We're confirming each other in our faith, and we need to do that. God knows. Uh, because we all go through ups and downs in our faith. Sure. But to learn how to minister from the margins in our society. So it's pro-life, imp- the pro-life is the hot button mm, issue, mm. you know. So how do we do that? Well, there's times to go and have rallies, and there's times to march in front of Planned Parenthood, you know, places. I've done it. You guys have probably mm-hmm. done it. Uh, uh, you know, there's times for that. But I'm convinced that the greatest way that we get around the corner on this issue in this culture is person to person, person to person. Uh, 
uh, ministering the values of life, looking them square in the eye, being loving and kind, and drawing them to Christ that way. Ministry is about being Jesus. We talk about authority. And the word for authority in English is similar to the word author. So the question really is, who is authoring our life? Who is writing our life? You know, Jesus, or Paul says, you are my letter, known and read mm-hmm. by Who is authoring our life? Is Jesus authoring our life? Or is ourself authoring our life? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just reading a book by a Coptic patriarch. His name is Pope Shenouda III. He's deceased. Great it's a fun name. Uh, it's a fun name. We should name one of our children's staff if we had another <laughs> one. Hey, Shenouda! Anyway, uh, uh, so, and he writes a, a book on the release of the Spirit. And I don't agree with everything that the Coptic Christians believe, but I love a great part of what they do. Mm. And he says the problem is is that even most people who say they're operating in the Spirit are really operating carnally. Mm. They're not operating incarnationally. They're just operating carnally. So when I we, and he used the example of Elisha looking at the Jordan River, you know, had the mantle of Elisha, and he had to take that mantle and and slap it down on the water and divide the water, and he was going to walk through. And he says, if all he would have seen with his eyes was the Jordan River, he would never have been able to do that. Hmm. He had to get past his carnal view Mm -hmm. of life and see the things of the Spirit before he could actually do that by faith. Faith is pistis in Greek, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, things not yet seen. That word substance is hypostasis in Greek, and it means person. So faith personifies the things we only hope for in the future. So we personify it now. So walking by faith and walking in the Spirit and not just seeing the physical stuff of life. So I'm convinced that many of us were very, were dogmatically Orthodox and very Catholic and very Christian, but I'm not sure we're being authored by Jesus the way we should be. Mm, mm. We all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's for sure, but we don't allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit very often. And therefore, we are, we tend to curse the darkness and not shine or mm-hmm. not light. Mm-hmm. You know? And we need to be lighting those candles. And, you know, when you go out, smile at people. <laughs> Give them a smile. It doesn't have a be a big, goofy smile. Just a smile. Be pleasant. The world is hungering for, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gives us that. So ministering from the margins is a whole new way of ministering, and we can no longer assume that the majority of the people out there in the secular world get what we're about, because they don't. I'm so grateful for that, and want to focus for a moment um, to gain your feedback. Uh, I, I've been going deep diving into Matthew 7, but more, more particularly John 4, the woman at the well, the Fotini story, mm. and you love the Eastern Church also. The homilies in the 3rd and 4th century about this woman really reveal her to be one of the most formidable evangelists 
because of that encounter, and of course it's there, you, you spoke of spirit and in truth. For any of our listeners, so you do know, John Michael, very uh, studied, erudite in our faith, and totally understands the, the importance of both spirit and in truth. And I'd yeah. say, so Pope Benedict um, gave us this phrase uh, of, of practical atheism. And, and I find that an important, uh, humbling challenge to those of us who profess Christ, who go to Mass, who pray our rosaries, who do our novenas. You know, you know, we may do all of that, but in under the roof, are we as a, um, uh, susceptible to the discord of the world? Are we are we alive in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we exhibiting that the signs and wonders of the kingdom? Because if not, then we're inoculating the world around us against these things that we profess. And I want to give you this phrase and just see what you do with it. Maybe invite you to speak to those of us who are in that place, faithful mass goers who uh, you know have orthodoxy, if you will. We have the formalities, and it's simply this that I think. Um, Pope Benedict's trilogy, the Jesus of Nazareth uh, right. series, really kind of, if I have the audacity to summarize, but that it's relationship at the heart of ritual, relationship at the heart of religion, not religion, not get rid of religion or get rid of ritual, but the heart of that in the gospel is relationship. And um, if we're not naturally, joyfully having the heart of the Father to reach others with the kingdom, if we're not doing that right now, I'm speaking to you folks out there, speak to myself. If we don't have a heart of Christ and everyone around us, our family, Maybe we need to ask the question, have we ourselves been evangelized? Have we received, do we, do we get what God is about in our nature in him? Could you maybe speak to those of us in that category? What, what does it mean to know Jesus Christ in a way that we're living it more robustly than what we just saw in the sports game last night? Yeah, well, I mean, let's go back to the apostles. They lived with Jesus for three and a half years, right? They heard everything he said. They saw him work miracles. They saw him raise three people from the dead. That is feather, rather, I think, that's really <laughs> a little significant. significant. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, they saw him stay true to his teaching to the point of dying on the cross. He was the martyr of martyrs. They saw him rise from the dead. They saw him ascend to the right hand of God the Father to prepare a place in eternity for us. And, and they had done all of that. And Jesus said, you don't have enough. Hmm. You don't have enough. He says, wait in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high, the Holy Spirit of which you have heard me speak. So Pentecost was that explosion of the Spirit, mm. and it's the power. The word power in Greek is dunamis, spelled with a Y, by the way, not a U. And it means it's where we get the English word dynamite. Mm. So... And it's That's also awesome. the word for miracle. When, when you read the word miracle in Scripture, it's, it's a derivative of dunamis. And so power and miracle, all the same thing. Beautiful. So, so we, have to have, we have to have dynamite in our life, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, to be able to understand what all that was about. Hmm. Uh, so... so they had the externals. They, they obviously had something internally because, you know, the God the Father, you know, gave them to, to make the professions that they made and so on and so forth. Think of Peter. Uh, but they didn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit yet. So we have to ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, ask. You know, ask for the Father. For, ask the Father for the Spirit. He will give you the Spirit. So we have to ask. And we have to... We have to we have to know we need it, first of all. So in liturgy and in religion, I mean, you can be a good religionist, 
of any kind. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're missing what the religion is for. Mm -hmm. Liturgy, I, I wrote a book on liturgy that I can't get anybody to publish because I take on the right and the left. Uh, hmm. And that doesn't leave too many people to buy it. Because anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've been, you know, watching liturgy for, you know, almost 50 years now. And and I've seen the absurdities, the absurdities, absurdities, excuse me, I can't talk this morning, on the left. And I've seen the rigidity of the right. And they're both missing the boat. So liturgy is, of course, the work of the people. That's what it means, liturgia in Greek. Mm -hmm. It just means work of the people. It can, mm -hmm. it can apply to religious forms uh, and rituals. It can apply to road builders and bridge builders and politicians. They're doing the work of the people. Uh, and in, in uh, the 5th century, of course, we have St. Benedict of Nursia, and he calls liturgy the work of God. So liturgy is where the work of the people and the work of God come together. But liturgy is just a road map to get us to our turnoff. So liturgy is wonderful. It's filled with scripture. It's filled, you know, apostolic tradition. Mm -hmm. I love the liturgy. Mm -hmm. I am wrapped out of myself, especially during the anaphora, or what we would call the Eucharistic prayer in the mm -hmm. West. Uh, I'm wrapped out of myself during this. Sometimes I'm just gone. Um, so I love liturgy, but liturgy is all about getting us to the turnoff on our, on our trip, and our destination is that personal encounter with Jesus Christ mm. and the power of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we get so concerned about the roadmap or the GPS that we miss our turnoff. Great analogy. And we have our nose in the map or looking at the screen. And we miss the turnoff. And plus, we're not enjoying the journey. <laughs> we're not enjoying actually, you know, taking a trip down, you know, let's say, uh, I don't know, I-10 out through the southwest, going from, you know, all the way from Florida all the way to, to the southwestern desert to the United States. What a wonderful drive. Mm -hmm. What if you just have your, your nose in, in, in the rule book all the time? Mm -hmm. uh, or another analogy would be, what, what about... You guys drive together. What if Steph was over there going through the instruction manual, the user's manual for your car, the whole time, you know, Greg, you were driving? Well, she wouldn't enjoy the journey. Right. And sometimes that's what we do with liturgy. It's not just liturgy. That's what we do with religion. Mm -hmm. so, so we get all sideways and cockeyed, and we argue with each other, and we polarize the left and the right and everything. We're not enjoying the journey. And the whole point of all of it is that personal encounter with Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. How do you, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And we've all seen the picture of Jesus knocking on the door, and there's no doorknob on the mm -hmm. outside. The doorknob is on the inside. It's where we are. He doesn't push himself on us. A, a real love relationship is mutual. Therefore, he knocks, and we must open the door. So... You know, for those who are listening right now, if you don't have this relationship with Jesus Christ, and I assume there's a, a bunch of you out there that maybe don't. Maybe you, you have that relationship with religion, but not with, with Jesus behind the religion, the author of the religion. Open your door to Jesus. Reach up there and turn turn the knob. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Um, and then begin hanging out with people who 
understand this. Mm-hmm. So don't just go to Mass. Mass is, is kind of the big catch-all of the parish. I, by the way, I'm not belittling the Eucharist at all. We can talk about that later. But go to some of the other small groups in the parish where there are on-fire, uh, spirit-filled Catholic Christians who have this encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, Pope Francis said, I invite every Christian at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of his pontificate begins with that. And you can't understand his pontificate unless you understand that invitation. He was also real good friends with Bishop Palmer, who was a charismatic Episcopal uh, bishop. And uh, uh, Bishop Palmer used to go down and do crusades down in South America. And the Pope, before he was the Pope, really supported those and sat on the the platform with him when he when he did that also with uh the evangelist i think his name is palau he did he's kind of called the billy graham of south america Mm -hmm. so the pope would and he at first he was really turned off by it he saw them as enemies stealing catholics and then he went no no i'm going to sit on the dais up there with him and i'm going to say a prayer and give a little message as a cardinal and uh, to let to let everybody know the church is in favor of this. Now, I sit on the, the National Assembly for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal by the grace of God. I don't know how I got there. But, <laughs> um, and I don't know what I'm doing there either. I'm not a big administrator type. But uh, That's why they need you. A lot of good people on that board, though. Yeah, there are. There are. And and the 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 thing that really came out in our meeting in Miami before... COVID, was the Pope said, I want the, he, the the Catholic Charismatic Renewal is being reorganized, and he says, I want the renewal. I don't want just Catholic Charismatics to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want every Catholic I love that. to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just talking about some kind of loose, vague feeling about God in your mm-hmm. life. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where you experience the gifts of the Spirit that are both the Old Testament gifts from Isaiah 11 and the New Testament gifts. One of the primary places is 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, so that you experience the gifts in your life, and then you experience the fruit of the Spirit as a character-building, life-changing thing in in just the way you function. And then the, the, the gifts... In most of the New Testament, the Pauline gifts, they're almost all ministry gifts. These are things you do to reach out to people, to minister to people. One of the greatest signs, of course, uh, in in the Acts of the Apostles, all but about two or three experiences, they spoke in tongues. So I'm a real believer, as a Catholic charismatic, that the gift of tongues opens us up. It, It opens a synapsis in our brain to get into an experience, a love relationship with Jesus that goes beyond uh, verbal words. Mm-hmm. That it goes into the, to the realm of that which is uh, beyond words, beyond images, beyond forms, and yet it's praise and worship at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it opens, it opens a doorway in the heart to that aspect of our relationship with Jesus that in turn... In, empowers the mind and then in turn empowers our experience of liturgy, our experience of morality, our experience of everything in our Catholic life. Mm. 
uh, our experience of teaching, our experience of, of correct doctrine. It's all coming from that inner power. I say that a lot of times, you know, St. Paul ends in both uh, his letter to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. Uh, there's a pattern. He says, here's the vices, here's the virtues. And then he goes into this crescendo in both books, encouraging people to praise God, to thank God always and for everything uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, to thank God the Father always mm. in the name of Jesus Christ. So to be a person of praise, to have an attitude of gratitude all through your life. Mm-hmm. They all go through the ups and downs, but, you know, so that's not, that's not the issue. Christians face all the same tragedies as everybody else does. You know, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, you're going right. to face tragedies. The question isn't that. The question is, how are we going to face them? So praise and thanks takes us out of looking at the negative aspect of life to the positive aspect of life. Uh, the Coptic uh, liturgy talks about to, to thank God uh, for all, in every condition, for all conditions. You know, it's one of the opening prayers of, of their, what we would call the divine office. Mm. It's called the Ashbeo, which means the hours. So for everything, in everything, in every condition, for every condition, you know, thank God. Awesome. Why? Because... It, it keeps us from being defeated by the negative things in our life and keeps us looking mm. at gifts that God has for us, even in the sufferings we face in our life. Mm. Sometimes, folks, my brain doesn't want to do that. I get stuck in the negative. I go, mm. yeah, but man, my back hurts today. I'm Ooh. sitting on bed right now. Yeah, my back hurts. Uh, yeah, well, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm thirsty. It's too hot. It's too cold, you know. Uh, and then we get into this negative. We become basically complainers and mumblers and groaners, uh, which have been the bane of religion mm-hmm. ever since, all the way back to Korah's rebellion against Mo- Moses in the Pentateuch. Um, so how do I get out of that? If I can't make myself praise God, I have to bypass my mind temporarily and praise God and thank God in non-conceptual praise and worship. Mm-hmm. Speak it forth with my voice, to concretize it, and then once that power of the Spirit is stirred up, the Spirit reaches back down kind of like with a spiritual Brillo pad and cleans out my mind, which has gotten gotten stuck in the negative stuff of life, and now I can use conceptual praise and really thank God and say, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Paul says, always and for everything, always in every way and for everything. So, so that means, I okay, I just lost my job with COVID. I thank God for that? Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Why? Because all things work together for the good of those who believe and are called purpose. See, all things work together for good. So in my suffering, I will experience the cross, and I'm going to learn a lesson. So yes, even Lord. in my pain, in my suffering, in my disappointments, in my discouragements, there's something. There's a gift from God for you in that. So, the, so you need to learn to just praise God for it, thank God for it, be still, and wait for the lesson mm-hmm. He's teach. And you're going to come out of it stronger. Saint Paul said in yesterday's epistle, uh, the translation of the New American is is encourage others because He has encouraged you. The, the mm-hmm. word there is a derivative of Paraclete 
which is the word for the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. The and what does that mean? The comforter and the advocate. So God comforts me in my suffering. I learned that lesson. Now I have something to share with others. Because you can't give what you don't have. Right. Right. I can't cuff, so I can't I can't bring any comfort to people in suffering unless I have gone through suffering mm. and experienced the comfort of God in the midst of it, right in the midst of it. Yes, Lord. Yeah, see now I have an authorship, an authority to 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 look to somebody that comes to me for prayer or help and we get them by the boatloads every day here. <laughs> you know? And 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 now I can I can bring comfort as I have been comforted. I can share what I have. And uh, Greg, you mentioned evangelization earlier. You can't evangelize until you're evangelized. Mm-hmm. You could. You well, I take that back. You can, and because the word of God never goes out void. It will. Even if you don't have a great relationship with God, if you use the word of God, it'll accomplish God's purpose somehow. But you're not going to experience the fullness of a spirit-filled evangelization in your life, in your ministry, with others, until you have it yourself. You can't Mm -hmm. share if you don't have it. Amen. I love everything that you said about gratitude, John Michael, and I want to encourage our listeners, especially um, parents with younger children, that language starts early on. Eucharistas. And and just... Yeah. Sorry, Daniel. No, 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 that's fine. The, um, you know, so often as parents, we think that we're doing our children this great service by making them as comfortable as possible or, you know, giving them their voice and whatever they want to complain about or deal with or whatever. But to set that example, first and foremost, as sons and daughters of God, to live out that scripture about constantly rendering thanks and to teach them from the youngest of ages to do the same, whether it's, you know, walking outside and, you know, thank you, Lord, for the sunshine, or if it's raining, thank you, Lord, for the rain to help mm-hmm. things grow. I mean, in those simple, simple ways or, you know, you know, at the at the supper table or thanking, you know, their dad for how he's provided. I mean, there's so yeah. many ways, you know, yeah. that we can we can teach that and in in that first and foremost in our homes, right? But also that whole community aspect that you speak so beautifully to. People are watching us. People are learning. You know, we look at people older than us, right? And they're teaching us how to live. Mm -hmm. They're teaching Mm -hmm. us a language of Christ. They're teaching us a language. I love, you know, the praise and worship aspect, right? And so it affects our decisions, our attitudes, our lack of gratitude affect all of those around us. And someone's always watching and learning from us. And and we need to be that light mm. of the world. We need to teach them that grace-filled language. We need to be mm. instruments of God's grace flowing through us to touch them. Preach it. You know, that ministry, ministering to the marginalized or in the margins, mm-hmm. that's so true. And unfortunately, those margins quite often are our neighbors, our family members, our fellow parishioners. Mm-hmm. And we do need to be surrounded in that community aspect to grow in those ways who are really on fire and living it, who have encountered Christ, who desire a deeper encounter, who desire, you know, to just go there on this journey 
journey and to appreciate every aspect of that journey. Folks, you are tuned into Ignite Radio Live, our 300th episode. We're so delighted on this theme, be the light of the world, the light of the world, because Christ made us for himself. And to communicate that so beautifully, we have our brother here, John Michael Talbot. He's not the candy man. He's a master chef. He's putting the uh, the rich meats in front of us. If you heard last week's episode, he talks about carne, not pollo, right? He's uh, incarnate, right? The word made flesh. How awesome that we are his church and meant to reveal God's glory. Uh, John Michael, I want to uh, um, shift slightly and address this question of Trinity made present in marriage and family and community. Because up to this point, I think uh, the call to know Jesus and live for him and liturgy and all that's so important. But I think uh, something that many of us are missing is what that looks like. You know, what, how is it informed ritual of the home? In your case, you're in a community, so we might even make that analogy of communities. You know, we know that ritual is necessary to succeed in sports or business or academics, every other way. There's a sense of order, not an empty order. We're not talking Ezekiel 37 dry bones, but the Holy Spirit alive in that order. You know, give us, if you will, a vision or an image for a pastor out there, a father of a home, to understand how important it is that we make our homes and structure them, lead them to be places of ever-deepening encounter. And it does take a kind of prioritization in terms of, you know, how we connect with one another. How, how, what have you learned anchored in your own community? Some Maybe some fundamentals of how, you know, dad of his home, pastor of his church. What are the fundamentals of living Trinity in our home atmospheres? Well, that's a real broad topic. When you say Trinity, of course, I immediately think of uh, <clears throat> of Saint Bonaventure, who um, who said that basically the Trinity is necessary in order for God to be both good and loving and transcendent. So God is transcendent, which means wholly other. He's not dependent upon anyone or anything in order to exist. So he's self-dependent within himself. Uh, however, if he is good. He has to, good, goodness overflows. So it overflows to something else. And if there's nothing else to be good with, what's he do? And uh, St. Bonaventure would say, in order for God to be good and transcendent, there has to be more than one hypostasis. That word, again, I used it with substance um, about faith, but that means person. So there's more than one person, more than one hypostasis, so that God the Father is good to someone within himself. If God has to create in order to be good, hmm. then God is no longer God, he is a God. And the same thing is true with love. Love is the complete self-emptying to another to produce at least a third. Mm -hmm. So that's why the family is Trinitarian. It's It's a, it's it's sacramental. It's a sacramental expression of Jesus in the church. We get that from Ephesians, but the the, the family is also sacra, is also trinitarian. So it's in you know the pouring out of a husband and a wife, mutually self-emptying for the other. That is, it has fecundity. In other words, it produces mm -hmm. new life. So that that would be what a child. So at least a third. So when you first started talking about that, that's what immediately I went to. Mm -hmm. And that is certainly true in community and in family, that we are mutual. So, so 
you guys, you each have to take a vow of poverty in your relationship with God first. In other words, I don't own anything. Everything is God's. Mm. And now, Greg, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to take a vow of poverty for my wife. I'm going to give up everything I possess for her sake. Mm. I'm going to give it all to God and to her. And then she's going to do the same thing with you. Nobody's exempt. (laughs) Nobody gets to keep the stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then you're going to do that as one body together. And now you're going to do that for your children. So there's a fecundity of self-emptying. And we know, I love the JOY, an acronym, Jesus, Others, Yourself, Mm -hmm. in that order. You know, for many, many years, I think the church was invaded by Freud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, and sometimes we say, no, it ought to be Jesus, us, and then others. Mm-hmm. No, Jesus, others, then, uh, then us, joy. Uh, Jesus, others, and yourself. Because it's only when you empty yourself completely for the sake of another that you find out who you are. As long as you're still trying to find out who you are, you can't find out who you are. You find out who you are by losing who you are in Christ for the sake of others. So that's true in a community like this. Mm. And it is, it is the only way to peace. So I die to my wanting to be something. I die to you know self-discovery, for instance, or self-fulfillment. I just take it to the cross and I die. And when I do that, I rise up a new creation, and I'm happy, I'm peaceful, whether I have a lot or a little. St. Paul says, whether rich or poor, I've learned to be content. Mm -hmm. So you're content. Whatever you got, you're content. You're happy. And I think that's a big key that we learn here in the community. That happens in our community through obedience. The word obedience uh, goes back to to, uh, the Greek word shema, or excuse me, the, the Hebrew shema, which means Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So obedience means to hear, to listen. That means that while somebody is speaking, we're not coming up with objections. Mm -hmm. We actually let them talk. Mm -hmm. So you learn how to be obedient, and then you act on the stuff you hear from Jesus that they say. You act on that promptly. So in community, that's patterned. It's you practice for learning how to do that with everybody by learning how to do that with your superior. You know, starting with the bishop, then your local pastor. You know, then in a monastic community, the abbot or the abbess or the prior or the prioress or, you know, whoever. I happen to be in that position here. So, but they only learn how to do that with me, so that they are learning how to die to the self in order to find out who they are. Mm-hmm. They are learning how to give up their self-interest for the sake of God and for others, to discover that their interests are completely satisfied when mm-hmm. they do. And and so it's a practice so that they learn how to do that with each other, and there is the rub. You know, there is the rub. So uh, I think in families, uh, the people to ask about this, quite honestly, would be our, our monastic families with children or our domestic families who live in their own homes around the country with children on how they've done this. I'm going to I'm going to give it a college try and what I'm going <laughs> to is 
is what they tell me that works is keeping, you know, having an ordered house as much as possible and having prayer time daily in the house, mm-hmm. quiet time daily in the house, working for each other daily in the house, uh, helping your brothers and your sisters and, and your children and your mom and your dad uh, in the house of learning how to do that. So my big thing that I tell people who don't live in monasteries is you ought to have a prayer corner. Mm-hmm. Everybody ought to have a prayer space in their house where there's some, you know, maybe a crucifix and some icons, maybe a candle, you know, maybe a, a Bible or a liturgy of the hours or whatever. And that is a 20 to 30 minute period twice a day. And if you can't do twice, do once. I, if you can only do once, I recommend early morning. If you can't do the morning, mm-hmm. do the morning, but do it every mm-hmm. day. Do it. And take that 20 to 30 minutes in quiet prayer. And in that 20 or 30 minutes of quiet prayer, you're going to break through to contemplation for about two minutes. It's going to take that much time to go in, to sink into contemplation, and then to come out of it. Back true. And back. You're going to get about two or three minutes of real wow time where you're really united with the Lord. And those two to three minutes are going to be enough to to uh, energize your entire day with the Holy Spirit. So I tell people to experience contemplative prayer that way. And I always tell, I also tell people pray in tongues every day, pray mm-hmm. in this every day. And if you do this every day, you're going to fire up the Spirit both for high praise and for very quiet contemplation, and it's going to it's going to revolutionize your life. Then you're going to go to Mass, whether it's daily Mass or Holy Days and Sundays. Uh, you're going to go to Mass, and suddenly, bang, it's going to spark, and the Word of God is going to come to life, the prayers are going to come to life, and boy, watch out, because the Eucharist is going to bring mystically, mm. mystery, what happened on Calvary, 2,000 years ago, it's going to stop just being a distant memory or something we read about. It's going to become Jesus is dying and rising for me in this Eucharist right now. Mm. It is being brought from the one once and for all sacrifice of Calvary. It's being sacramentally brought to me right now. He is giving his life, and it's as if I am right there watching him die and watching him rise. Streams of living water flowing from you, John Michael, just your, your life experience, your, uh, your gift of teaching and music, of course, and books, but from the heart of that, just a love for God and the fullness of our faith. I love it. I love the, the, the integration, if you will, of the objective and the subjective, the Eucharist and the church teaching and all that with this life and the spirit. And I do think what we're experiencing, our eldest is 23, Annie, and our youngest is 16, and their generation Prior to them, they inherited, and you may remember this, where there was this decided uh, side adjectival Catholicism of the conservatives who who suspected or questioned all matters subjective, all matters in the spirit. And maybe they had some concerns that were legitimate, but they just, everything became sort of ritualistic and absent that life and vitality. And then on the other extreme is we, we kind of saw maybe charismatic life in the spirit. And we, we have the, if you will, the caricatures of these that aren't fair, but you saw them maybe seeing stuffiness, but maybe not understanding that this truth that God gives is for this right relationship for him. We are 
now experiencing, I think, a generation that is genuinely wanting not adjectival Catholicism, but in its fullness, what did Christ reveal? And it is this beauty and transcendence of the liturgy, this imitation glorification of God, of Christ praying to the Father, but it's overflowing. It must overflow in this life in the Spirit, in, in evident, evidencing what Christ does. Here's a question for I'm so grateful for all that you're giving us and the, you know, the wisdom. Uh, one thing that Steph and I experience is that in the past 30, 40 years, there have been more programs probably than any time in the history of the church. You've got YouTube and digital technology, all this. We can get the podcast. We can listen to the talk, etc. And as a result, we, you know, the Holy Spirit has certainly moved in that. We need to be doing that. But we have a situation now where many perhaps are caught up in becoming program Christians, like Catholic program junkies, if you will, and and maybe just cycling through, like instead of a portrait of a Rembrandt flush with color, it's kind of a connect the dots portrait. And you kind of spoke to that about homes need to be these places, not a connect the dot, but flush, if you will, with color. Are there opportunities that your community specifically offers to impart, if you will, this, if you will, uh, image or vision of what a home may look like? Because I think it is the decisive poverty that faces 99% of professing Catholics to cross over the Rubicon from professing and knowing it to actually living it. Are there things that you might suggest to move us into that place? Hmm. Well, first thing I'd say is join our community. (laughs) Tell us about Uh, it. Lay it on us. Yeah, pure and simple. Uh, We're the brothers and sisters of charity. We say Jesus is our founder, the scriptures our rule, our greatest law is love, guided by truth, which comes to us through the church. And the greatest expression of that is integration. So we would integrate a monastic expression and a domestic expression. People in the monasteries, people out in their own homes. And the people in their own homes include clergy, diocesan clergy, and uh, laity. Uh, Here at the monastery, we have... uh, traditional monks, traditional sisters, singles who can marry, and families. I'm part of the family expression, and it's called an integrated monasticism. And we would integrate the East and the West, uh, the spontaneous and the liturgical, the charismatic, the contemplative, Hmm. uh, a call to hermitage, which I experienced to a large degree, uh, to live in a hermitage, and also contemplative community, and then contemplative community overflowing into apostolic action. The disconnect that happens in many programs, uh, Acts, Christ Renews His Parish, you know, Renew, uh, on and on and on it goes. There is a disconnect to actually creating communities. Mm. So uh, in, we visited Rome numerous times, and one of the things they said, they said, we're not sure Catholicism really works in the United States yet. Hmm. We're still watching. Most religious phenomenon in the church have given birth to a plethora of new communities. We're the only one here in the States that are indigenous to the United States. Hmm. Uh, the community of Beatitudes, I think, made a foundation in Denver, and I think it's going pretty well, but they're actually from France. So uh, they, they questioned whether that, you know, the Rubicon, as you mentioned, of making the connection from the ideology of Christianity to the actual community. So in our community, um, you know, we meet once a week in small groups. There's nothing that beats getting together other community members and going through our rule and constitution and reading the scriptures and praying with each other and worshiping God together and looking face-to-face into each other's eyes. You can't get the full transmission of of the charism of a community unless you're face to face. You have to do that. And we 
So uh, we have found that the sweet spot is is a weekly meeting, and we we encourage people to have one other weekly meeting in their parish, and then of course mass on Sundays and holy days. And if you're able to do it, you know, in the morning uh, for morning mass for daily communicants. So that's kind of how we do it. That's fabulous. Folks, we're almost coming in for a landing here. So grateful that John Michael is is with us in this conversation. Just want to extend this to you, John Michael, of course, our prayers and thoughts, but our family mission actually is called Image Trinity. It's a nonprofit movement, and really it's about living it. It's about living Image the Trinity, our identity and mission, and we provide resources and tools, and our audience is familiar with ilovemyfamily.us, but there's such synergy here that maybe you could put us in touch with some of your leaders there and perhaps even plant the seeds right now live of, of, of our prayerful consideration of bringing you in and doing maybe a week-long or a few days-long family event, a family renewal event. So I'm just, this is Greg Schleter. I'm a fire hose. I throw this stuff out there. Let the Holy Spirit do with it what he will. But um, as we're coming in for a landing here, I just want to ask you, if you had 60 seconds of a captive audience with the world, I want to give you just to lay that on us and then just lead us in a prayer. What is the, the Father most putting on your heart for us as we conclude tonight? Well, the biggest thing I would say is what Pope Francis started his pontificate with. I invite every Christian at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have it, ask for it. Uh, And it comes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, St. Paul says if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to him. Mm -hmm. So that encounter with Jesus Christ happens through the Holy Spirit in your life, and then both the Son and the Spirit lead us to the Father. So I would challenge all the listeners right now, pray this little prayer with me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I I confess that I have missed the mark. I have sinned in many ways. Mm. And I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your power. I need your friendship. I need your brotherhood. I need your lordship in my life. I invite you, Jesus, into my life. And I ask you to send the Holy Spirit from the Father to fire me in my deepest heart so that I go beyond just words and ideas and religious religious forms and I truly find the freedom of the Holy Spirit beneath all that. Fire me up, Jesus. Send the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, folks, it will happen. It's either happening right now as I'm talking, and I'm by faith I'm seeing that happen in some of your lives right now, that Jesus is coming into your life. He's forgiving you your sins. He's empowering you with the Holy Spirit. So it'll happen right now, and it will continue to happen in the days and weeks ahead. And I encourage you to make contact with your church, with a community like ours, with a movement, like Greg and Stephanie's movement, make contact and make contact with other people who are fired up. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise you, Jesus. We just glorify your name, and we just thank you for this opportunity of Annunciation Radio. And then even beyond that in this podcast, just that your love would reverberate to all throughout the the whole world, certainly the waves that are reaching. So, folks, so blessed that you've been along the journey with us in this 300th episode, sixth year of doing this, Ignite Radio Live. And uh, please join us in this mission of living, making God who is love known at ilovemyfamily.us. Thanks again, John Michael. We love you so 
much. You're in our thoughts and prayers, and uh, gosh, just what a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, the Lord just gave me a word. I'm going to share it. Lay it on us. People that we prayed for, people are being healed right now. Mm. Mm. And if you experienced a healing out there, go and show yourself to the priest. Go experience the sacrament Mm. of the healing of the sick. Mm. And uh, it'll be strengthened and confirmed. So people are being healed Mm. right now. Shivers down my spine. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all. God bless you guys. Thank you. So back in the mountains, back in the seas, back in the rain, back in the wind, back in the poor man, back in the king. Tell them Jesus says, Jesus says, Salvation has come